What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 129, recording this on Thursday, November 30th, just before 2.30 in the afternoon on the West Coast. I'm Kyle Betts, Brevin Honda joining me as always, and we are so thankful that you were listening to Down the Line here once again, this episode number 129, and we are excited to get down into all things sports this week. Brevin, uh, how are you doing, and how was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, Thanksgiving was great. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, plenty of football to watch. Got basketball um, to watch. Yeah, it was just a great time um, celebrating this monthly holiday that we always celebrate here in the month of November. Absolutely, yeah. It was a great day for sports, like you said. So much going on. And uh, I was definitely one of those guys who was taking it all in on the couch. Uh, probably should have helped cooking a little bit more than I did. <laughs> but uh, that's okay. The The dinner was great. Food, food was fantastic. The, the football was good for the most part. A um, couple games were kind of lopsided. But um, I think overall, plenty of excitement in those games affecting our mm-hmm. fantasy teams. We're going to get to fantasy a little bit later here in the show. As it is crunch time in pretty much every league. Now, uh, whoever is playing fantasy football knows that. And, we're going to break down our league here uh, with our former Daily Asset co-workers as well as we do every week. That's going to be uh, later in our show. But first, we're going to start things off here with our Fast Five. We do this every week. We kick off uh, our episodes talking about everything that's gone down in sports over the course of the past week. And we start with this. Our point number one on this week's Fast Five is 82-time PGA Tour winner Tiger Woods making his return to action since the Masters earlier this year. And that return is going to be made today at the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. Woods is also hosting this event and is teamed for the first time in competition since his subtalar fusion surgery, which is 10 days after withdrawing in the third round of the Masters. Once again, that was back in April. So, Brevin, you see him here hosting this event, and uh, he's making a big comeback here. All eyes are on him. Yeah, made the return, announced the return a couple of weeks ago, and um, one round in the books. He's currently shot a shot a three over seven five today, um, so it's good to see him back on the course this week. Um, made a couple of long putts. Uh, I think he had a fifty footer for birdie as well. Ooh, um, a couple of times had four birdies on the day, eight pars. Um, yeah, he was driving it well, I think it was. Had a couple of, well, distance-wise, I would say it was pretty well. Top, or right in the middle of the pack and driving at 313 yards off the tee. Longest drive was 335. So, um, you're seeing him uh, still have that speed. I think his ball speed off a drive was 177 miles per hour. So, that's a good uh, place to be um, competing with the best. Yeah, good for Tiger Woods, you know, making that return, uh, getting back out there, get back in the swing of things, uh, no pun intended. And uh, it's going to be great to see how he performs the rest of this competition here. Like you mentioned, um, three over right now. Uh, We're going to continue to follow this throughout the course of the weekend, see how Tiger does. And we will let you know next week. We're going to be following a lot more golf here coming up as well. So, a lot to look forward to this weekend down in the Bahamas with Tiger Woods and also returning to action down there, Will Zalatoris. He's been out with a back injury since March. Brevin, uh, a, a big influential golfer in Zalatoris, you know, one of those uh, rising stars almost 
in the game. Um, good to see him back out there. Yeah, it was good to see him back. A little bit different um, from what we saw the last time out. He's got a new putter grip. He's got the broomstick uh, type grip where it's just like you're sweeping, uh, cleaning up with a broom. And uh, that's his putting style. Um, just like Tiger Woods, a little rustic um, on the course. Shot a 9 over 81. Um, just one birdie on the day and then had uh, four bogeys and uh, a few triple or a few double bogeys. Um that hurt him, but you still see him um, getting used to that new putter. Um, obviously, this event, I think, only has world ranking points applied to it, but um, uh-huh. nothing with PGE Tour cards um, right. on the line here. So you're seeing, um, yeah, just players getting back into form. This was a tournament that Will Zalatoris targeted um, as a possible to get back in the swing of things before January. And before the heart of the before the 2024 PGA Tour schedule starts, yeah, that's great to see him back out there. And I agree, totally a great way to just get some experience back out on the links. So mm-hmm. as I mentioned before, we're going to continue to see how Tiger does, and we will let you know next week as well. Yeah, currently um, in the lead right now uh, through the first round, you get you uh, Open champion Brian Harmon at five under par mm-hmm. and tied with Tony Fina. That's where the uh, leader Stan Jordan Spieth is at four under. Did sh- not your typical four under sixty eight had two eagles, two one double, four bogeys, and I think six birdies. So huh. a wild card for Jordan Spieth for a four under sixty eight. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it for sure. <laughs> All right, we're gonna switch gears here. Uh, we talked about Tiger. Obviously, we know how influential he is in the sports world. Another figure, Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, a lot of news coming out from his camp this week. It was announced that Cuban is leaving Shark Tank, the popular TV show series uh, related to uh, entrepreneurship and and different things of that sort. Well, uh, he's been on that uh, Shark Tank uh, TV program now for 16 years. And after 16 seasons, uh, he is leaving the show. Also coming out this week is news that he is selling the majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks. He will continue to keep shares in the team, and he will have full control of basketball operations. But you see him kind of make these moves, uh, Brevin, and they're definitely life-altering. And uh, as he gets older, you kind of see him scaling back on his involvement in different things. Yeah, uh I think uh, Mark Cuban, when he bought the team – I think he bought the team for $285 million. Uh-huh. Now selling that team for about $3.5 billion. So it's kind of like what we saw from the commanders a few months ago when Josh Schneider bought the team and, um, you know, where we're at there. So you're seeing how much value um, these teams are worth, you know, when we see new owners take over. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's important too is, you know, how can these owners – really make the most of, you know, their product and, and how they manage the team and how everything is run. Mark Cuban has been one of those guys who has done a great job of that. And for him, you know, it's never easy to win, but, you know, I believe he bought the team back in the year 2000. Yep. Well, I mean, after 23 years now, he, he's been to two NBA finals, won one back in 2011. And I mean, one is more than enough, right? It shows that you have the ability to win, and and they did just that. I mean, 
having Dirk Nowitzki a part of that team, uh, such a big figure in the NBA and him being a uh, franchise legend for them, obviously that was so important. But I think Mark Cuban, he hasn't always had success as owner of the Dallas Mavericks, but um, he's he's well known. He, he's one of those big figures. And it's no wonder that he's in Dallas alongside with, you know, other owners like Jerry Jones and, you know, uh, guys of uh, notoriety who, who really just uh, are known for their success, not only in sports, but really uh, different areas of life. Yeah. And you still see the energy that he brings to sitting just a couple rows behind the team, behind that yeah. team, you know, yeah. whether it's the days when Dirk Nowitzki was on that team or now when you got Luka Doncic on yeah. that roster. Absolutely. Kyrie Irving and, yep. you know, the list goes on now, but um, it, it is kind of interesting to think about that, Brevin, uh, you know, how, how a lot of these owners uh, like Mark Cuban, Steve Ballmer, I, yep. I think it's good to see that. We need to see more of that and, uh, you know, just different owners more involved uh, firsthand with their teams. Mm-hmm. Mark Cuban's one of those guys who's been uh, just that. And so things will look a little bit different, but I, I think it is important that he still has full control of the operations of the team. All right, we're going to switch gears here to some football. And another guy with uh, now um, full control to a team is new San Diego State football head coach, Sean Lewis. Reverend, I can't believe I'm saying this. A new head yeah. coach for the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. An offensive-minded head coach coming to San Diego State University. Bringing a vertical offense in here. Um, if you don't know Sean Lewis and his story, he was the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Uh, he comes to the Mesa with plenty of experience. He was a head coach at Kent State for a number of years. He comes from the Art Bryles coaching tree and has worked together uh, closely with guys like uh, Dino Babers, uh, who comes from Syracuse. He was recently let go from that program, but uh, he's a well-known name in college football as well. So um, you see Sean Lewis come into the Mesa, now San Diego State's new football head coach. Man, uh, it, it really is kind of hard. It's kind of weird to think about almost, but he was formally introduced to San Diego media on Wednesday, and Lewis got a contract worth $1.5 million across the next five years. Brevin, I was expecting that total to be a little higher, but I think maybe yeah. it's uh, incentive-based. Yeah, it's probably incentive-based with wins, bowl games. Uh, if a New Year's Six Bowl is in that mix, um, you know, obviously coming from, I think especially coming from a program as hyped as Colorado might be, uh, might be in play of that low number, but it just tells you uh, the success that he's had in building um, an offensive-minded football team with keeping that defensive culture in play here at SDSU. Yeah, and that's the question, Brevin. I haven't seen any reports on Kurt Maddox uh, as defensive coordinator, but I think, you know, running the 3 through 5 defense, he's done such a great job of doing that. That's a guy you got to keep around. Yeah. And filling out the rest of the asset coaching staff is something that Sean Lewis is going to have to do in the coming days. But, man, I think this is one of the most exciting hires for San Diego State ever. I mean, when you, when you think about, you know, the the um, possibility of an exciting offense in San Diego. And he said, Chargers fans, you know, come on over. If, if you don't have a team, we got you. We're going to represent San Diego. That's what you like to hear as an ASEC fan. 
because this need this team needs to put up points. I mean, we we have been living in his in prehistoric years watching this offense, Brevin. Yeah. For I mean, what give or take the, the last ten years or so, and, and there have been great moments in the run game, but yeah. football has evolved just like many things, and you, you need to adapt to that. Bring in Sean Lewis. That's going to be an immediate adjustment. I think what's important, Brevin, is that this team will look a lot more exciting. That's pretty much yeah. a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's important for San Diego State here as as a university is that you're going to have people sitting in those seats in your stadium just because there's going to be a lot of points scored. You don't necessarily know if you're going to win immediately in Sean Lewis's yeah. tenure. Of course, so much happening in the portal and NIL, but I think what's important is just the prospect of uh, having something exciting and, and you know, something that Lewis can build and that you can look forward to. Yeah. I think it's a lot better when you see those 45, 42 um, type losses, especially like what we see in the big 12 compared to like a six, nothing loss or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. And I think for Sean Lewis, he's got the, he's got the skills to do so. I mean, when you think about what he's been able to accomplish in his career, so much happening on really every level. And so I think that's important to have for the Aztecs moving forward is just a man who can lead you not only um, as a team, but can also call the shots offensively. And you know, you're getting something good in this guy because he has proven himself despite being demoted by Deion Sanders at Colorado from his play calling duties. I mean, look what happened after, after that Colorado, I don't think they won another game. Yeah, the same Deion Sanders who was named Sports Illustrated Man of the Year, too. That news coming out earlier today. Um, don't know how that happened, truthfully. No, no, no. But, uh, D- uh, it- Sports Illustrated 2023 Sports Person of the Year. After going 4-8, and eight, uh, it started the year 3-0. and in-, in regards to influence, maybe, sure. But, yeah, uh-huh. yeah very, very interesting there. Um I mean, uh, either way, Sean Lewis did praise Deion Sanders in his press conference, um, saying he learned a lot from him. He he thanked a lot of people in that press conference. And for San Diego State, this this is very exciting. It's something to look forward to. I I think the Aztecs now have a chance to be a big-time leader in the sphere of West Coast football. Obviously, a lot's going to change between now and – in the future with conference realignment and such, but uh, the the future looks brighter than ever before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially getting back to being one of the favorites to win a conference championship. Mm -hmm. You're in and you're out. As you think about teams like Oregon state and Washington state coming into the conference um, within the next couple of years. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to number four of the Fast Five here. So news coming out earlier today, we had our first Monday Night Football Flex of the year. That is new in 2023, and the NFL is uh, making note of that. And not only that, but they're putting in some changes. The Seahawks and the Eagles are going to face off on December 18th, and that game replaces the Chiefs and the Patriots. So once again, Seahawks and Eagles now replacing Chiefs and Patriots in Week 15 on December 18th, Monday Night Football. Makes sense here, Brevin. The, the Patriots are uh, borderline unwatchable. And 
Man, I mean, I mean, we talked about bad offenses right just now with San Diego State, but uh, New England uh, is the only reason this is getting moved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not on Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. It's definitely not on them. Um, well, you know what? That means, Kyle, it's maybe an opportunity where we get uh, Travis Kelsey and Patrick, or Travis Kelsey again on uh, the Manning cast for with uh, Jason Kelsey. That's right. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, uh, yeah, obviously this, that's obviously a side note to that, but just the way the Patriots have been playing two and nine bench Mac Jones last week as well. So uh, yeah, just a difficult time right now for Bill Belichick in that uh, offense. Yeah, absolutely. So we will see what the Patriots do uh, in next year's draft as well. I, I know that they're in great position to take a quarterback. We'll see if they end up doing that. Maybe they trade for someone. You never know in the day and age of this NFL. But, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, no one wants to watch the Patriots. And uh, the NFL uh, agrees with uh, nobody, which is everyone who's a football fan. <laughs> yeah, that makes the Eagles now three straight standalone games from weeks 14 to 16. Uh, week 14 at Dallas for Sunday night football. Then you get this Monday night game now against Seattle. And then taking on the Giants on Christmas Day, another Monday game. Yeah, absolutely. Good point there. We're going to stay in the sphere of the NFL and our last point within our Fast Five. Number five here. On Monday, it was announced that Frank Reich is out as head coach of the Carolina Panthers after a 1-10 start. So you see Wright come in as the new head coach of the Panthers this past offseason. They take Bryce Young first overall, and they uh, end up 1-10 in the first 11 games. So Reich is now out. In addition to that, assistant head coach and running backs coach Deuce Staley and quarterbacks coach Josh McCown also fired. Yeah. When are we going to see Frank Wright complete an NFL season as a head coach? Or will we ever see that? Um, last year did that with the Colts and then came out when Jeff Saturday took over. Now, uh, you do it here in Carolina, man. I mean, it's, I'm lucky, of course, being fired mid season. I mean, especially with a team like the Panthers who didn't have the highest expectations anyways, but making some moves this past off season, uh, their draft was, was halfway decent. I mean, they also had that that opportunity for growth, but just didn't really see it. And uh, when, when you go ahead and you know, and you look at this Panther season, you know, from a, a large wide scope of, of things, you you notice that you know earlier that the Panthers uh, had Frank Wright calling the plays in the year, but then he gave it to I guess the offensive coordinator. Uh, and, and let him call plays for a couple weeks. Then he took a back last week, right now fire. I mean, it's sort of the indecisiveness, inconsistency, um, and just really, I, I guess, just not really being put in a great situation kind of added to the factors as to why he was fired at the end of the day. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Frank Reich now out as head coach. I mean, their owner, I believe his name is David Tepper. He goes ahead and he, he makes these moves. And uh, it's not just Reich that's out, but it's it's a pretty sizable bulk of the coaching staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
one in ten right now in line for that first uh pick in the draft for a second consecutive year right now. Wait, I don't even think they they're actually trading that number one pick actually mm-hmm. for to the Bears. So yeah, um, yeah, not in a good spot right now for <laughs> this uh Panthers team. <laughs> I mean. I, I think it is also ownership when you get down into it um, and, and what, what's happened within that front office. I mean, signing Miles Sanders to that deal, yikes. This yeah. past offseason, you, you talk about a guy who just hasn't showed up at all, it's him. And um, a couple, couple other things that have not necessarily gone their way either. I know Jonathan Mingo, Mingo has had his struggles there trying to fit in. Um a lot of hype with Bryce Young coming in. He hasn't been what they expected so far. Um, so, yeah, sure, give him time. But uh, things, like you said, not looking great right now for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out when the uh, Panthers pick their first pick in 2024. Oh, it's just their second-round pick. So oh, Okay. They'll have, so they'll have an early second-round pick, it looks like. So, right. So. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So well, there you have anything to watch with the Panthers. Yeah, for sure. That's our fast five there, mm-hmm. and uh, talked plenty there. And uh, we're going to continue to talk some football now as we uh, continue to go through our show here, episode number one twenty nine up down the line. Let's talk some injuries, and let's start with the most recent news coming from Tuesday. Let's start earlier in the week here. Tuesday, the Minnesota Vikings took wide receiver Justin Jefferson off of injured reserve. He has been dealing with a hamstring issue for quite some time. And uh, this news comes ahead of their Week 14 matchup. And uh, it's great news for Vikings fans. They're getting the top receiver in the league back in their lineup. Not only that, um, but it also comes – it it will happen after a bye week. So plenty of time for Jefferson to kind of heal up and – uh, ensure that he really is fully good to go. Yeah, also get connected with Jobs, Joshua Dobbs over the next couple of weeks before um, that Week 14 matchup yeah. against uh, Las Vegas. Absolutely. More injuries news uh, coming from the NFL on Wednesday. This being as, if not more notable than Jefferson, definitely more notable, I should say. Because it, this is something I've never seen before. Um, but in regards to the talent, man, these are just the two best in the game. Justin Jefferson and Aaron Rodgers. Injury news coming from both sides here. The Jets have allowed Rodgers to return to practice after tearing his Achilles just 79 days after suffering a uh, that torn Achilles. Um, he is slated for a potential Week 16 return, Brevin. Obviously, some things depend. Are they going to be competitive for the postseason? Are uh, they safe with letting Rodgers out there? Is he comfortable with being out there? A lot of questions still to be answered, but uh, yeah, Brevin, this is um, this is something here. Yeah, the Jets right now, well, they haven't been eliminated from playoff contention. It's not looking but, good. But yeah, sitting at four and seven. They're, they're two games back of the Colts, but a lot of things got to happen for the Jets to jump up eight spots to yeah. leap past the Colts. Because you got 
The Colts at six and five. Also at six and five, you get Houston and Denver. Six and six, you get the Bills. The Bengals are five and six. The Raiders are five and seven. And then also at four and ten with the Jets, you get the Chargers and the Titans. Here's the thing, Brevin. If you want my personal like thoughts on this situation, I'm going to tell you this. I don't think he's going to play this season. I think this is pretty much all for show. Um, I I know that he probably could play because you look at him in the videos that are, that are being posted on social media. I mean, he looks great. He's dropping back. He's, he's slinging the ball around to his teammates. He looks like he's having a good time. He looks like he can move like a normal person. But what happens when you get out there when there's contact? Yeah. You never know, right? And given the Jets' position, like you just said, four and seven, why would you why would you risk that? I mean, you you pretty much have to win out at this point, I think, to to really have a chance. And so Rogers being in this position, I understand why he's going through the treatment that he is, because you know, you never know what the Jets could potentially pull off. But man, I just don't think it's necessarily gonna be worth it for him to play. So with that being said, I don't think he will. Mm-hmm. The uh, week sixteen, the uh, Jets host the Commanders, the final home game of the season for the Jets Ooh. at East Rutherford Stadium. Oh, before going to Cleveland Ooh. and ending the year in New England. Those would be his final three games. I mean, when you think about it, all those three games seems like they would be winnable, right? You would think. Well, I don't know about that Browns game. Right. That could be, that the, the rounds are always tough, but And then you think about all three of those games got the opportunity for cold weather games too. Well here's the thing. Are are you are you going to trust Nathaniel Hackett and Tim Boyle to be the two guys to help you get over that hump and put you in a position to where Rogers com- could come back in week sixteen? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, don't I would know. just save it for 2024. <laughs> see what you've got. Been... <laughs> see what you've got. And just wait till 2024. Yeah. I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. I think he was recovering um, with the potential possibility of, hey, we could we could make the playoffs. But with that being unlikely, my conclusion, my thoughts are we're not going to see him out there. I mean, great, great, yeah. great for him to already be feeling good and walking around and and dropping, doing like three step drops and showing that he can still throw a football. That's great, but I don't think it's just worth him being out there. Yeah, maybe if this Jets team was six and six or five different. and six, you know, oh. with a bye week still remaining, you know, it's or six and six with a bye week or five and six, you know, five, what's thing, but yeah, this team is still. Like I mentioned, they got to jump eight teams just to get to that number seven spot. Absolutely with you on that, Brevin. So those are our thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and everything going on with him. Once again, Justin Jefferson, he's got the 21-day period to come back. Aaron Rodgers pretty much the same right now. Um, Yeah, we, we know that Jefferson will come back. Rodgers, nah, I don't think we will see him. We will see, though. I could be very wrong at the end of the day. You never know. Um, we will continue to follow that, and we'll let you guys know as we get more on that. 
Now we're going to move on to another big segment that we do here every week. And this week, we're gonna, it's going to be involving week 12 of the NFL season, our three up, three down. So we're going to choose our uh, top three positive teams, players, moments, anything that happened, and our uh, three lowest points from this past week in the NFL. With that being said, uh, Brevin, you want to kick things off for your three up? Yeah. Um, I want to kick things off here. You know, one of the things that you talk about in fantasy football that we're not sure about every single year are the rookies. Well, two of them delivered this week um, with top performances. Uh, a couple of wide receivers that I want to get into this week. Give me Rasheed Rice and Zay Flowers. Um who both are rostered. Uh, we Kyle and I each have one of them on our fantasy teams, which we'll get to more in a little bit. But Rasheed Rice against the Raiders last week finishes the wide receiver three. Eight catches, one of seven, and a touchdown on 10 targets, 24.7 fantasy points. Wide receiver three. And then you get Zay Flowers, wide receiver six. Uh, had that 37-yard touchdown to end um, that game against the Chargers, also 5 for 25 and a touchdown for 23 fantasy points. So give me the rookie wide receivers here in Rasheed Rice and Zay Flowers. Yeah, great choices there. Absolutely. I'm going to go with Pat Fryermuth as my first option here for my three up. And Pat Fryermuth is a guy who's been out for quite some time now when you think about it. I believe he got injured back in week four. Four, something like that, right? And yeah. we haven't seen him at all until this past week. He he gets back out there. Um, and this was really his breakout game for him since returning from injury. He actually came back two weeks ago against the Browns, but really nothing in that game. So that was I don't really count that as his return. I think his big return was this week. Nine catches, 120 yards for the big tight end. Uh six five, two fifty-eight. He's got a big frame. And Kenny Pickett's making the most of it. I think that's important, especially when they fire Matt Canada as their offensive coordinator. They spread the offense a little more. You have him back as your top weapon at tight end. That's huge. So mm-hmm. I like I liked what Muth did this weekend. And I really want to see more of that in the future. Yeah. Last year, I'm looking up his targets. Uh, game log. Yeah. Fire, fire Muth. 11 targets last week. Was his most since he had 12 last year in week 10 or week 11 in a 37 30 loss? He had eight for 79 uh, in that game. Yeah, man, there you have it. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> is a good selection there. Pratt Fire Muth making a big return, yeah. um, to uh, the Steelers. All right. For me, next up, I'm gonna go. Give me the, give me Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles getting another big win, um, against the Buffalo Bills Sunday Night Football or that wasn't Sunday Night Football, but Sunday 125 Football felt like Sunday Night Football because the sun was already down. But they find a way to come all the way back and beat the Buffalo Bills. I think they were down was it 13 at one point. Um, yeah. in that game. Send that game to overtime with a Jake Elliott 59-yard field goal, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. Send that game to overtime 
limit the Bills to a field goal. And Jalen Hurts runs his way for a 12-yard touchdown run and give the Eagles a win, be the first team to get to 10-1. Eagles have the opportunity to clinch a playoff spot this week as well, the first um, in the NFL this year. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good selection there. Totally agree with that one. I'm going to move on now to um, Chuba Hubbard. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Carolina Panthers and what they've been doing as of late. I'm excited for their future because of this guy right here. Now, uh, Chuba Hubbard is one of those guys who has been around for quite some time now, uh, a few years, but um, he's been one of those guys who has kind of been sneaky and he's been getting his opportunity. Uh, I, I think he has a chance to have a career year this year because he is, is the top back now in Carolina. A good game last week. He had five catches. Uh, he also had uh, 14 carries, 45 yards in that game. He had a touchdown. Good fantasy performance from him as well. I think, you know, utilizing him as a pass-catching threat out of the backfield is something that Bryce Young should really start doing more, especially as he continues to grow. Um, just dump it off to your guy when you don't have anything uh, deep. You shouldn't force anything, obviously. That offense is going to look a lot more different now that Reich is out, like we talked about earlier. So with that being said, I am excited about the prospect of this Carolina Panthers uh, team. Uh, despite everything that's happened as of late, despite the loss that they suffered against the Titans on the road, I still am looking forward to seeing how this offense can grow because they got some really young guys and I think just get them some coaching help and they'll develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good selection there. Shuba Hubbard. Um, I'm going to go with some more kind of like future success. Give me the AFC South. When we beginning of the year, Kyle through, 12 weeks, do we think there would be three teams in the AFC South right now with six wins or more? Yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we all expected the, the Jags to probably be yeah. up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colts, I mean, maybe with, with Anthony Richardson, no one, no one could really see him get yeah. hurt for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texans no one saw, so I mean, maybe, maybe two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's three. Yeah. 11 weeks. You get the Jags at eight and three. Got a big win against Houston last week, and only uh, that game was resulted in a couple of inches of strength of being the difference in Matthew Amendola's foot, trying to make a 58-yard field goal. And then you get the Colts also at 6-5. and five. So even the AFC South, you're seeing a bright future in the competition in that division. You get Trevor Lawrence, you get C.J. Stroud. Yeah, so give me the AFC South. That's a great selection there. I like that a lot. Great point. My final selection here is going to be a Bakersfield native. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be Jordan Love. I really liked what I saw on uh, Thanksgiving Day against the Detroit Lions. No turnovers in that game. He had a 68% uh, completion percentage, and uh, he threw 268 yards in that game, three touchdowns. 125 and a half quarterback rating, his best of the season, performance-wise, statistically, that was his best game. And I think he he really looked good in that game. Christian Watson, he was relying on all throughout. They were using the run game when they needed to. He was spreading the ball out to different guys like Jaden Reed as well. Um, I think he looked good, and he looked poised. I think that's what's important for him is if he looks comfortable, he will play confident. And that's what's confident for a guy who who sat under 
Aaron Rodgers for years. So that's massive. He played well against the Lions in the in that big win. And the Packers, they're in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're seeing him just continue to get better as this season has gone along, as this as he's in this starting role for the first time um in his career, taking over for you think about big names among that Packers team, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Now he's kind of, you know, gotten used to this role of being a starter and it's not what you kind of pretty much expect. It's not just giving the ball to Aaron Jones, throwing it to him, giving the ball to A.G. Dillon, but it's just finding the players like you mentioned, Christian Watson, it's the um all those different things. You know, you mentioned Jaden Brees even in that running game and got a big win last week against the Lions. Absolutely. All right. Let's Brandon. get to our yeah, we'll get to our three down right now. Kyle can kick things yeah. off. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I really don't want to say this because it's not like they're necessarily playing bad. But I guess in, in regards to output, we, we got to talk about it, right? Um, and that is the Los Angeles Rams for my three down. We're going to start here with my first point with talking their wide receivers. And um, they've been using utilizing guys like Tutu Atwell. And, you know, Kyron Williams has looked fantastic as of late in his return last week. He probably had, was he, top almost five in fantasy points scored, I think, or maybe close to it. Um, but but it's the, the receivers that, that really struggle. And by receivers, I mean they're top guys. Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, I mean, kind of just uh, didn't really do much in this game, more so Cup than, than Nakua. Uh, Nakua in this game, he had four catches, 27 yards against the Cardinals this past weekend. And Cooper Cup, Three catches, 18 yards. I mean, sure, you I mean, you got Matthew Stafford throwing touchdowns to Tyler Higby all day, but the, these guys uh, di- didn't really uh, perform how I expected, especially when you consider this Rams team, who I believe they scored the most points and they have all season in their last game. They dropped 37 points in Ar- on Arizona in Arizona, and uh, those guys finished with uh, pretty much – Less than six and a half fancy points each. Yeah. Well, it helps when you get Kyron Williams return, who right. was probably number four among both of our three ups on this list. Yeah. And when you see Kyron Williams do did what he did against Arizona. Yeah. Up, four touchdowns, I think it was. Yeah, 16 it was carries, 143 yards on the ground. Um, yeah. as this bo- box score comes up, uh, yeah, 16 carries 143 yards in the passing game, six for 61 and two touchdowns. Right. Tyler Higby had the other two touchdowns, yep. add in a Royce Freeman rushing touchdown, and uh, yeah, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup four and five <laughs> among. The uh in uh, in terms of Rams receiving leaders last week against Arizona, yeah, not what you expect. Like I said, but I think it comes like it's game flow, like you mentioned, Brandon. Yep. It's dependent on what happens, but I mean, even still, Nakua not really putting up the volume that he did at the beginning of the season. Which I mean. Of course, that that happens to a rookie at times, but I think even more, even more so, you got to pay attention to Cooper Cup. 
I mean, 118 yards in his, uh, back on October 8th, his first game of the season. Then he followed that up with a 148-yard performance. Ever since, Brevin, he's only had one game over 30 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's for me, you know, that's crazy to see. So hopefully those guys get some more volume because I know some fantasy owners are hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, not if you had not if you had Kyra Williams or Tyler Higby that, that in is your true. fantasy rosters. That is true. If you did, mm-hmm. you you won this week. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna go one re- I'm gonna stick with the receivers. Give me Deontay Johnson here. Um yeah, I just didn't have the best of moments last week. Um, you know, we talked about Pat Fryermuth, but then you think about it on the flip side with Deontay Johnson, dropped a pass in the end zone, and then just sort of gave up on a play when you had a, on the Jalen Warren fumble um, for the Bengals to easily pick that ball up just a couple of feet away from Deontay Johnson. So. I know one play doesn't make up what Deontay Johnson is, but just that play right there from last week, just those couple of plays just um, kind of altered and what, what put Deontay Johnson here among this three down. Great selection there. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Met with criticism all week. He uh, spoke on that as well. He said, that's not me as a player. One play doesn't define me. Um it, it looks bad on film from here on out. Just be smart. Keep playing till the whistle blows. I mean, yeah, that's what it comes down to, right? Mm-hmm. It's just staying with those football fundamentals, and that that starts with effort. So that's a great point. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on here for my second selection for my three down. I'm going to go with Zach Charbonnet here. I know that uh, Brevin, we talked earlier about uh, potentially benching him in fantasy this week that's becoming a more popular idea i guess for for many fantasy owners now but uh a really uh big game in in regards to his production on uh thanksgiving night facing the 49ers this was his opportunity to really make a name for himself but in this game uh kind of underwhelming 14 uh carries in this game 47 yards he did have four receptions but Really just not much of a factor within that Seattle Seahawks offense. We are going to be uh, talking uh, more about uh, the Seahawks um, as the season goes on as well. Because when you think about the position they're in, in this wildcard standings, they need production from guys like Charbonnet to remain competitive. And we just didn't get that in this game. Um, 58 yards, 18 touches, just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Charbonnet last week in a loss against the 49ers. Yeah, that's two straight losses for the Seahawks now without um without Kenneth Walker the third or really two I say one and a half because he got injured in that game. But you're seeing right. it against the Rams. So yeah, tough tough times right now. This this Seahawks team gotta get healthy before um in order for them to keep where they're at right now in the standings number six among the nfc playoff picture um yeah that's where this uh seahawks team's gotta stay afloat right now mm-hmm. all right um for me i'm gonna go with a team that we talked about earlier give me the new york jets here and uh, the fu- i 
before our show, I didn't even think about it until we were talking about the Jets, but they took on the Miami Dolphins on the first Black Friday game, like talked about last week. And uh, I don't know if we've ever seen this before, but have yeah. we ever seen a pick six on a Hail Mary? <laughs> Never. That's what Tim Boyle did. And the Dolphins then returned that the interception all the way down the field, 99 yard pick six to end the half. Yeah, that, that was just terrible. Mm-hmm. We had the butt fumble on Thanksgiving Day with Mark Sanchez. Now we get the fail Mary, or I should say more like, yeah, it's a, a home Mary or something like that, but in a different spelling <laughs> on yeah. Black Friday. Yeah, 100%. Great choice there for your last point on your three down, Brevin. I am going to go with the NFC South here as my final point. And uh, as we mentioned, uh, one of those teams earlier, the Carolina Panthers, one in 10. Well, all teams in the NFC South are below 500. That that's how things are right now. And I Brevin, I can't necessarily say that's shocking because I think a lot of people thought they had the potential to be the worst division in football. Um yeah, I mean right now it's it's kind of looking to be that way. I mean, you could say potentially the the AFC East is up there, but I mean, the Dolphins have a winning record. The Bills are still 500. The NFC South, all these teams, man, not looking good. Right now, the Falcons and Saints are tied for the top spot in the division right now. They are 5-6. and six. The Buccaneers are 4-7. and seven. Panthers, 1-10. and ten. Um, All coming off losses except for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a tough times right now also among the NFC South. Teams are just beating up on each other. We saw that last week with Atlanta defeating New Orleans. That big pick six by Jesse Bates um, led to him being the defensive player of the week in the NFC. Yeah. Um, yeah, just not going the way we expected. The Falcons now emerged tied with the Saints for that um, for first place in that division at five and six. It feels like the way we saw the NFC East uh, just a few years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, if if you told me that the Falcons would be the team the team in the lead of the NFC South at the beginning of December months ago, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't have believed you. Um, but I think you're right. It's that defense keeping them in ball games. The mm-hmm. offense has some guys, of course. We know we know that they're talented, but they're just not really used all the time. Now now they're getting more involved. We see B. John mm-hmm. Robinson playing more of a role. Against the Saints, like you said, um, that's important. They're going to have to rely on that if they want to have a chance and keep winning. Mm-hmm. All right. My final pick here among our three down, I got to go with the Chargers here. Not gone the way they expected. They're in last place of the AFC West at four and seven. Um, Yeah, two and four at home, two and three on the road, two and four in conference play. Um, have lost three in a row, just not gone the way the Chargers have expected um, this season. Losing to the Ravens last week, 20-10. to Losing in Green Bay, 23-20. Another three-point loss a few weeks ago against the Lions. Mm-hmm. And have lost five of their last seven. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, 
this is definitely something. The the standings to continue to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know if uh, if if this division uh, really is going to get much more competitive. You got the Saints taking on the Lions this weekend. That could be tough. You got the Falcons taking on the Jets, so that could be another winnable game right there. The Falcons, I think, have now the opportunity to win this division. The mm-hmm. Falcons next three games. Jets, Buccaneers, Panthers, mm-hmm. all all very winnable games. They just got to take care of business. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, they're undefeated against their divisional opponents at three and zero. Oh. There you go. Where you got the Saints at one and two, Tampa Bay's one and one, and Carolina is zero oh and two. That's huge. Having a two game advantage within your division right now, tiebreaker purposes. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. Awesome. mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our some of the top games from week 13. We got three on the slate all on Sunday. Uh, first game we're going to get to, the team with the longest winning streak, or I should say one of the longest streaks in the NFL. Well, actually, we're going to get to both these teams, actually, with the longest winning streak in the NFL. But we're going to kick things off with the Sunday 10 a.m. game, the 1 a.m. window on the East Coast. The Denver Broncos now get a playoff test. Against the uh, Houston Texans uh, on the road inside NRG Stadium. Yeah, it's a big game for both teams. Six and five. We've been talking about it, and uh, winner pretty much gets a great position here moving on forward for the rest of the season. I mean, when mm-hmm. you think about playoff teams in the AFC, you pretty much got to finish ten and seven. Nine and eight, maybe we'll get you somewhere. But if you're the Denver Broncos, you're looking for a win here. I mean, obviously the Texans are too. But um, my, myself, being a Broncos fan, watching this team way too much, I uh, I think it comes down to the, to the offensive line play, defensive line as well. When you saw how, how, how the Broncos performed last week against the Browns, that was key. You have guys like Zach Allen getting in there on the defensive line, uh, just causing chaos all game for DTR. Uh, you saw guys flying around, hitting him. He got he got injured. You got other guys uh, banged up in that game just because of how hard the Broncos were hitting. That's that's what you need. You need that intensity. Um, on the Broncos' offensive line, Garrett Bowles stalemated Miles Garrett all game long. He maybe had one pressure, I believe, and uh, – Crazy to see. Crazy to see. I don't think um, Ben Powers, starting left guard, allowed a pressure at all. So they're figuring things out where it starts in football. That's on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. When you have that advantage, it's huge. And Titus Howard this weekend out for the Texans. That's a big loss for them on their own line. Um, If you can make C.J. Stroud uncomfortable, I think anything is possible. Uh, This is tough, man. I'm going to go with the Broncos. I don't know if they'll win this game. I think it's going to be very close, but Russell Wilson has not thrown an interception in the red zone all season, and I think he's in a great position to play to his strengths because Sean Payton has has put him in that spot. So Mm -hmm. it seems like they got everything working right now, and it seems like they believe in themselves. Yeah, I'm going to take the Broncos here as well. This team is hot, so keep riding them. Um, 
You'll call me entering this matchup. Houston currently owns the tiebreak over Denver based on best win percentage in conference games. It's only by a half a game, but with a Broncos win, they easily leap Houston and because of head-to-head. So I'm going to take the Broncos here um, to win this game. All right, second game that we're going to get to features two of the top teams in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, hosting the uh, San Francisco 49ers. This is the Sunday 125 game. Or one of the 125 games. Yeah. Yeah, Niners and Eagles, man. This is the premier matchup that we're looking forward to here. If you want my honest opinion, I, I think the Niners are going to win this game. The The reason I say that is because I want some chaos in the league. And <laughs> I don't think that I don't think the Eagles can stay a, a one-loss team forever. Um... Really, that, that's their only flaw. Their team is just so well put together, top to bottom. Coaching, roster, they, they get all figured out. But the, the Niners are, are pretty much the same. They're a juggernaut in their own right. But, I mean, just there, there's been moments where I think the Niners' offense hasn't looked great. So this could really go either way. But I, I think the Niners come in there on the road. They, they, they storm Phillies field and they take it. I don't know why, but I like the road team so far. It's hard to go up against Jalen Hurts and the Seals team. Uh, it feels like Jalen Hurts is right now the front runner for the MVP. I don't understand how the the Niners are three point favorites on the road. Maybe it's just their defense, but I'm gonna go with. I'm still gonna go with the Eagles here. It's just hard to go up against Jalen Hurts. The way that he's able to find, whether it's A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, I'm going to go to the Eagles here. You know, we think about their O-line, they're going to have a challenge going, to get, going up against that that D-line San Francisco has, but I think they still got the capabilities of, with the mobility that Jalen Hurts has, I think it's going to be hard to stop him. So I'm going to take the Eagles here um, to win this game. And uh, all right, our final game that we're going to get to, Chiefs. At Packers in Green Bay for Sunday Night Football. I'm going to stick with the road teams here. I'm taking the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs haven't looked necessarily great as of late against the Raiders. It took them a little while to get going offensively. You saw Mahomes combined with Kelsey a little more. He, he got more comfortable as the game went on. The Packers are hot, man. That's the thing. They're, they're not only hot, but they're well-rested. And that that's tough to to root against or, or pick against in in Green Bay, especially this time of year. But I feel like the Chiefs got they still got something to play for here. They want to continue to extend their lead in the AFC West. Um, the, the, as long as they don't turn it over, I think they'll be fine. Tough to pick against Love with how he's played lately, but I got Chiefs winning this game probably by six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the Chiefs as well here. For the first time in like five weeks, we saw the we saw uh the Chiefs score a second half touchdown. Yeah. Um, which was so huge in order to get that win uh in Las Vegas. So I think that momentum is gonna carry this week into Green Bay. Could be a snow game as well. Um uh, so I'm gonna take the Chiefs here. Um, to take down the Packers. 
Sounds great. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I picked all the away teams. <laughs> Kyle going with the Road Warriors this week to the Broncos, the Niners, and the Chiefs. Um, I got the Broncos, the home team Eagles, as well as the Chiefs. All right. Let's move on to fantasy football here, where in week 12, we talked about last week where it was going to be a big week because Kyle being uh, in first place, I was taking on the second place team, and Kyle's opponent was right with me at 5-5, five and five, I think it was. And Kyle got the win there, but I did not get a win losing uh, in a shootout, 139-134, Kyle won his matchup, 137-93. Now, I talked about earlier, had that had that Bills-Eagles game not gone to overtime, I would have pulled off that win. That yeah. is second time this year where a overtime game determines another loss. Right. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. Mm-hmm. That happened in week one when I took on Kyle, and yeah. the Jets pull off that uh, punt return touchdown for the win. Just, man, Brevin, just unlucky. Yeah. Looks like it's going to be another 6-8 and eight finish to the playoffs once again. <laughs> <laughs> Although, yeah. it didn't take a eight-game losing streak. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be next-level competitive to the end. Mm-hmm. Let's see. In our fantasy football standings right now kyle is kyle's got 10 wins which puts him in first place um i think uh i clinched yeah, clinch is a first round buy as well that's huge mm-hmm. uh daniel Greer, who i lost to is in second place nine and three mm-hmm. clinched the playoff spot and then uh, at seven and five, you get Jason Freund, who's Kyle is taking on this week, with Andrew Finley at seven and five, and Amber Salas at seven and five. Mm-hmm. So those five teams look like they're for sure going to be in the playoffs. And then fighting for one spot between three teams includes myself, Jack Moman, and Brandon Freed, who I'm playing the ladder this week. Yeah, this is uh, the biggest week yet, for sure. A lot of help needed. Yeah, uh, We have the the Tank Bowl going on as well. The Las Vegas Limos in last place, owned by Luis Lopez. And Bijan Mustard, owned by Devin Watley. They're facing off. Uh, five wins combined b- between those guys. So they're not affecting us at all this week here, Brevin. It's, it's pretty much everyone still trying to gun it out for a playoff spot, yeah. for the most part. And uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, for, for you, Brevin, it's uh, win or go home. Yeah, just about. And it starts tonight with Tony Pollard and the Cowboys taking on the Seahawks. Yeah, that's going to be huge. Uh-huh. I did defeat Brandon Freed earlier in the year. This came in week four. Okay. Uh, 108-87. That was the week where I started Daniel Jones, and he got 8.7 points against the Seattle Seahawks. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it took a key uh, thirty-six points from Stefan Diggs and twenty-five from Mark Andrews, who I both who I both do not have in my lineup this week. Uh, that hurts. I mean, they would have both been in the, in there anyway because of buys. Right. 
So, yeah, this is uh, this is huge right here, Revan. Uh, mm -hmm. For what it's worth, according to ESPN, those who are in the top five spots right now have a ninety nine percent chance of making playoffs. Yeah. Um, Jason Point already clinching, like you said. Between you, Brandon Freed, and Jack Mullman, here's how things stand. Brevin, you have the highest chance to make the playoffs right now. Yep. 45% chance. Brandon Freed has a 35% chance, and Jack Mullman, 21%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this, this, uh, this is going to be... A crazy run to finish. Two, I think no, no, also notable here, Andrew Finley, winners of five in a row. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he was two and five. Now he is pretty much all but making the playoffs. Uh-huh. Now he takes on Amber Salas. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Moma's got Danny Guerrero this week, so... Mm. That'll be a difficult task there, especially... Putting yeah. up that league high, 139 points last week. Yeah, Brevin, you got to be feeling good about that at least. You know, at least yeah. Jackson playing one of the bottom teams. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, everything looks to be in your favor right now. If I can put up another 134 points, I would definitely be satisfied there. Oh, 100%. Um, in the standings, yeah. If I can... Yeah, if I can outscore, if I can just get a win here, that'd be so key, because among total points for I'm pretty sure that's the primary tiebreaker. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm only down by eight points to Brain and Free. Not bad. No. But I've given up the most points, so, or the second most points, so. Right. I haven't had the best of defense this year compared to years past. <laughs> Allowing... Allowing 129 points per game. So that's got to be lower as these weeks progress. Right. Definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. Most three I... in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts so bad. Uh huh. I uh, have a new tight end for the week. Yep. Right? And I just picked up Gerald Everett. Mm hmm. So he replaces uh, T.G. Hawkinson on the bye week. That's what we're rocking with right now, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that is a week in fantasy. But before we take a break, trade deadline was yesterday. Yep. And Kyle and I, we made a move here. Um, Kyle and I, we started the pot a little bit. Um, I thought having Kyler Murray, having Trevor Lawrence, and having Sam Howell, I figured I didn't need all three going into the rest of the year. So uh -huh. I figured, anybody want a QB? No one took me on that offer until I reached out to Kyle. Like, sure. And uh, so, Kyle and I, we struck a trade. Uh, I acquired James Cook for Sam Howell and James Connor. Um, so yeah, so that trade goes through, I think, tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, Kyle, how do you feel about getting a uh, better QB2, especially with Josh Allen on a bye this week? Yeah, I mean, it's not like I necessarily need a great QB2 because, like I said, I clinched that first round bye. Yep. 
you know, I, I already got what I needed to do. But my, my thinking behind this is I didn't have a quarterback, too, all season long. Picked up Matthew Stafford. You can take him how he is, but I just feel like, you know, with, with the way that Josh Allen plays, um, he's not necessarily reckless, but he, he he is a football player. He will lower his shoulder. He, he will do anything on the run in order to make it successful for his team. Um, with that, there's always risk of injury, and he hasn't really necessarily been seriously hurt in his career. But just to have some st- stability behind him, I think is needed. Uh, dropping James Cook, of course, never easy, but you know, getting James Conner out of it, I think, I think that made it all worth it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like James Cook over the last couple of weeks has produced a little bit better than James Conner. Obviously, yeah, we're seeing the return of Kyler Murray in that mix, so um, that plays a part in reworking that chemistry the way those two have have had. Um, yeah, but yeah, it gives me another. Maybe a little bit better of an RB four behind um, Tony Pollard, Jameer Gibbs, and um, in Isaiah Pacheco. Mm-hmm. So, and that comes after a week. Isaiah Pacheco was like RB three, and it helps that right. Jared McKinney didn't play. Um, and there were a couple other receivers that were out. So, yeah, put up twenty five points last week. Yeah. That was a big game for for the Bills. Um, James Cook had a big one. Allen, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I I think, you know, pretty fair deal at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm good with with where I'm at right now in regards to my running backs. I don't even necessarily have to start Connor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When he comes in, I got uh, A.J. Dillon, who could end up being running back one this week. There's also Devin Singletary. He gets – He's been getting the most touches right now for the Texans, despite the return of Damian Pierce. Um, Damian Pierce still on my bench right now. Uh, not sure necessarily what I'm going to do with him, but uh, I guess you never know. Mm-hmm. He can still get his opportunity. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some NBA. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk about the recent Hall of Fame ballot that was announced by the baseball writers. We're going to get into some free agent news as well before we wrap things up with trivia. So stay tuned for that here on the second half of Down the Line. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. Once again, this is episode number 129. You are listening to the second half of our show. Once again, I'm Kyle Betts, joined by Brevin Honda. As always, in our first half in our episode, we got into our latest within the Fast Five. That includes some talk about Tiger Woods making his golf return. We also got into the latest with Mark Cuban, San Diego State hiring their next head coach, 
and also the latest in the NFL. We also break down the latest injuries in the NFL, our weekly segment of three, three up, three down, talking about what happened during week 12 of the NFL. We also got into the latest in our fantasy league and everything that has been happening as of late. So much going down with playoffs just over the horizon for pretty much every league at this point, standard or PPR, no matter where you are. I noticed that some leagues already are in uh, playoffs as well. That's kind of interesting. If you're doing the two-week format, you may already be in the playoffs. But for us, we are coming towards that point here, and uh, we'll continue to let you know how we do uh, in the coming weeks as well. But now we're going to get into the latest in the NBA. And this has been a pretty interesting season here so far, Brevin. It uh, has kind of been highlighted by the in-season tournament. It's brought not only a, a new look to the format of the regular season, but also the courts as well. That's mm-hmm. been a big change when, when you turn on a game. Uh, you know, these in-season tournament courts are a lot more vibrant, flashy, and um, it's it's been a new experience and uh, a new part of the regular season here from the league. Yeah, it's been a little bit different of watching basketball as of late, but you're still seeing the, a little bit more competition as these games played. I would say with some of the new rules with um, you know, what it takes to receive All-NBA honors now these days, um, that comes into it. Um, yeah, you're just seeing um, really great basketball kind of be a part of it. You're seeing um the magic have an eight game winning streak right now they're 13 and five one game back at the celtics for the top spot in the eastern conference Mm -hmm. um you get the t wolves um in first place at 13 and four they've won eight of their last 10 games Mm -hmm. and then you get a couple of long losing streaks right now the spurs have lost 12 in a row they're three and 14 are you 10 games back of first place Yikes. And then you get the Pistons in the Eastern Conference. They've lost since they started two and one. They've lost fifteen in a row, and are two and sixteen and twelve games back in first place. Wow! Yeah, the Pist- that team is just really bad. <laughs> Under first are... year head coach Monty Williams. Oh man, that hurts too, and especially when you have. I mean, let, let's face it here, Brian. Let's leave the Spurs out of this. The two worst teams right now are the Washington Wizards and the Detroit Pistons. We saw those two teams play yeah. on Monday, mm-hmm. and the Wizards came out on top for their third win of the season. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is um, quite the season in the NBA <laughs> because now we're we're, we're seeing uh, who the top teams are. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are teams that are hot right now, but – I think the bottom feeders are pretty much making themselves clear from the beginning. Yeah, especially as we get closer to um, that 20-game mark, that 25-game mark. Yeah. um, Within the next couple of weeks. Definitely. So that's how the season's going so far. I mean, I think the biggest surprise easily has to be the Orlando Magic. We mentioned Mm -hmm. eight wins in a row. Looking really good right now. The – the the roster man has been built over the course of the past several seasons. Several seasons have have gone into this. Yesterday they took down the Wizards themselves in that game. You saw Franz Wagner. He he's the catalyst for that team. Thirty one points coming out of him. He's really improving as a scorer. Franz Wagner is 
Um, this this is a guy who is taking that next step, and he's averaging 20 points a game this season. That's huge. That's absolutely massive for this Magic team. Paulo Bancaro being a part of that lineup, he looks good as well. Jalen Suggs, you got him back in this lineup. That's huge. They got depth pieces like Mo Wagner as well. Joe Ingles mm-hmm. being a nice sniper off that bench. I mean, they look like a pretty solid team right now, Brevin, and they're streaking, but still to me, it's crazy that a team of this caliber with starting center Goga Pitazzi is on an eight-game winning streak. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tells you you just got to be playing good basketball. Just put the ball in the net and limit those turnovers. That's really all you got to do. Um, did go 3-1 and one and did not make the uh, – we're not one of the four teams from the Eastern Conference to make the in-season tournament knockout rounds. Mm. Um, the four C's, the Bucks were the one, Pacers the two, Celtics three, and Knicks were the four. So the Bucks and Knicks will face off. And then you get the, the Pacers and Celtics. Mm. And then the Western Conference side. How about the Lakers going 4-0, Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they played good ball at the right time. And in those games as well, I mean, you really saw how the the guys that they brought in within that offseason have contributed in their own ways. But I think the play of Anthony Davis was very significant mm-hmm. in those games to propel them uh, towards this knockout stage. Yeah, as, especially as LeBron James eclipsed 39,000 points in his career as well. Um, the Kings clinched the two spot, the Pelicans are the three, and the Suns are the four. So the Lakers face off against the Suns, uh, in, uh, all these games are in Las Vegas. Um, Kings play the Pelicans, so on Monday night, on, what is that, the fourth? Yeah, the fourth, we're gonna see the Pacers take on the Celtics, and then we're gonna see, um... The uh, Kings take on the Pelicans, uh-huh. and then on Tuesday the fifth, we'll get the we'll get the Bucks and the Knicks, as well as the Lakers and Suns. There you go, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a good tournament so far, and mm-hmm. I think what's interesting, Brevin, is people expected you know the group stages. I think. Uh, let me say this. I, I think a lot of people thought, myself included, that this was going to be kind of like the Champions League format and how they were doing it, which it is to an extent. But I I genuinely thought that we were going to have eight games in the group stages instead of four. We mm-hmm. played each team twice, once at home and on the road. That wasn't the case. Um, so I think that surprised a few people, especially now because, I mean, sure, the, the season is, is you know still a little bit new, but we're already in the – the quarterfinal stage here, right? Or yeah. not, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is massive. This thing is flying by even early on in the season. And I think that's what surprised a lot of people is them hearing, wow, the group stage is already over. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that was really surprising to a lot of people. We're just about uh, a little bit more than a month into the season. But I guess that also shows time is flying. And, and soon enough, we're going to have those Christmas Day games and – yeah. And we have springtime basketball after March Madness ends, and, and that's that's go time for mm-hmm. 
for the NBA, really. But yeah, it's uh, this is adding that sort of extra element to the substance of the season. Mm-hmm. Not sure how much, um, I guess, notoriety or uh, really what whatever this tournament is going to bring the winner. I, I don't really necessarily know, but just uh, money. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it for the most part. Uh, money and pride for for the most part. Yeah. Uh-huh. Beyond that, I mean, I guess it's cool to see just the the, the new things that are coming from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, from the what is that? The group Eastern Conference Group A. When you've got Indiana, Cleveland, Philly, Atlanta, and Detroit. I don't know how very many people had Indiana coming out of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that too. Mm-hmm. I think the Pacers are a very well-rounded team. I really do think they are uh, competing for a playoff spot right now in the Eastern Conference. I think they're going to do that all season. Mm-hmm. I think they just are. They got the talent to remain competitive. When you think about you know just their depth chart as a whole, those guys that really fit, fill in those spots. Miles Turner has been one of those guys who's been in trade talks pretty much every single year, but he's a guy they need. He's he's a big force down low. Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald still being starters there in those spots. Bruce Brown was a huge addition for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're young guys as well. Jalen Smith, Obi Toppin, Benedict Matherin, and Andrew Nemhart. I mean, this is important for them because I feel as if once they continue to grow on that depth, they could be a really dangerous team in the future, but really it's Tyrese Halliburton's team. And he's, he's the one yep. that's taking them to new heights. Mm-hmm. And probably the team that we did not expect among the West was in group B where you had um, Dallas, Denver, the Clippers, Houston, and new Orleans. And the team that comes out is uh, new Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. That is also pretty surprising, but I think similarly to the Indiana Pacers, they are really growing their roster. And I think that's that's important, especially when you got guys like Zion Williamson, who you don't know if you're going to necessarily be able to rely on him all year. But you have. You have this mm-hmm. season. And that's been evident. 24 points a game. His rebounds aren't as high as they've been in the past, but he, he looks good. He, he looks a lot better than he did. He looks like more of an athlete. And that's all they can ask for. Um, mm-hmm. Other guys who have really stepped up from the Pelicans include Jordan Hawkins from UConn. We saw what he did to the San Diego State Aztecs in that national championship game. He's doing that in the NBA now. 13 and a half points a game. He's getting plenty of minutes, shooting almost 40% from the field. To have a guy who looks really good as a first rounder and already producing, that's really important. Um, He's been getting a lot more playing time as Jose Alvarado and Trey Murphy kind of deal with injury. Um, but he's, he's been a key part of their lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'd be a key things to watch here. Um, yeah, it should be a great time in Las Vegas. These next, um, uh, this next week for the quarters, the semis, uh, semis on uh, next week, Thursday before the championship on a Saturday of next week, the ninth. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to some baseball here. And uh, a couple weeks ago, the uh, 2024 
uh, Baseball Writers of America Association Hall of Fame ballot was announced. It includes 16 returners and 14 newcomers into the ballot, including uh, the likes of Adrian Beltre and Chase Utley. And then you had some of the uh, returners to the ballot, including names like Alex Rodriguez and... Um, yeah, Jimmy Rollins still on the ballot, Todd Helton. Um, so it's a pretty diverse group of players here on the uh, this year's Hall of Fame ballot. Really diverse group of players. And now, Brevin, we are starting to see more and more guys who played when we were living life in our childhood. I mean, we were yeah. able to see how how all these guys really contributed to those those teams. I mean, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, two guys you mentioned there. Huge part of the Philly success in the 2000s. I mean, those are the guys you think about when you think about that organization in that era, 100%. So there's no question a lot of these guys are going to make their way into Cooperstown. I think it's just more of a question when. Mm-hmm. And to to see more and more guys be added to to these ballots, I think it's a great thing for the sport. Um it, it just feels weird, Brevin, that we're getting old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's also weird because we think about that. You think about this group of players compared to that previous wave of kind of like that, not quite the steroid era, but that post-steroid era. When you think about, yeah, you think about, you know, those for sure Hall of Famers, you know, like your Pedro Martinez, the Randy Johnsons, you know, we didn't have those type of players, you know, yeah. among this group of ballot. I think there might be only, you know, we're at that point where it, you know, we're not seeing three or four. We're not seeing three or four Hall of Fame locks. We're seeing maybe one and then another one works his way up to 75%. You know, like this year, you're probably going to see Adrian Beltre reached that point, and then, yeah. um, you know, you might see somebody else, like a, maybe like a Todd Helton or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Totally agree. hmm Yeah. As we get closer towards the end of the year, I think the deadline for the writers to submit their ballots is, I think, end of the year. So as we get closer to the end of the year, maybe we'll unveil our mock picks since yeah. we're not actual writers. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, all right, let's see. What else around the MLB? Um, Nelson Cruz, who recently retired, um, the veteran DH, is joining the Dodgers organization as an advisor. Uh, he's expected to work mostly out of the team's academy um, in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, this is cool. I, I like this. I like this gesture from the Dodgers allowing him to, you know, stay within baseball and, and work for a successful organization like they are. He obviously has the resume to do it, and he's well-liked, well-respected within baseball, and now he's living life back in the Dominican Republic. I, I honestly didn't even know that until this report came out, and we all know how big that is for Major League Baseball. It's not only have – you know, Cruz representing the Dodgers, but just being an ambassador for baseball, um, feeding that pipeline of players from the Dominican Republic here um, into the United States for Major League Baseball, because we all know how much talent um, that that is possessed there. Yep. Mm-hmm. We all know uh, that so many good, great players come from that region. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing what he can do down there, because I'm sure he will be 
very successful as much as he was when he played baseball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over 450 home runs in his career, close to 20 years um, in the league. And you see as his career has possessed uh, a lot of leadership that he's been able to give off to younger players. And now I get to do that um, to some of the youngest players in professional baseball. That's huge too. Having him as an advisor, I think just him being like a mentor to people is huge because mm-hmm. When you saw him in San Diego last year, from the time he was there, you saw the impact that he had on that clubhouse. And that that's massive, especially when you have a guy who goes from the major leagues, as soon as he retires, picks up this role. I mean, he he's a guy who is absolutely qualified knowing the ins and outs of the game as it is right now. Mm-hmm. That's a great hire from the Dodgers. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, some free agency. We're going to go to a couple of former Twins teammates who, uh, no, they weren't, they might have been with Nelson Cruz uh, in Minnesota. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but a couple of for, former Twins teammates signing deals elsewhere, kicking off. Uh, both are starting pitchers. Kenta Maeda sent a two-year deal worth $24 million to remain in the NL, in the American League Central, but playing with Detroit. And then Sonny Gray's handing a big deal, three years for $75 million with the Cardinals. I'm going to say, how old is Kenton Maeda? I mean, he's, he's got to be up there. 35 years old now for Maeda. We saw him make his major league debut, obviously, back in 2016, uh, playing for the Dodgers there. But here, here, here in the MLB, he, he's definitely had a fantastic influence since he came from Japan. Um, that, that's a pretty solid deal there. I mean, when you consider that, um, back in 2020, he had such a great season, Kenta Maeda, um, 2021 kind of up and down a little bit. Um, seeing him back now in a new uniform is, is massive because he's coming off that Tommy John surgery, right? So he, he's going to, uh, be a big piece of that rotation. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy and we're able to see him pitch at his best. Um, mm-hmm when you think about Kent Maeda going to Sonny Gray three years, $75 million with the Cardinals. Oh man. Yikes. That's a lot of money. Um, so hopefully you get what you want out of Sonny Gray. If you're the St. Louis Cardinals, I mean, 34 years old. I didn't even realize he was that old as well. He's been around for quite some time. Um, that being 2013. Uh, so 10 year veteran now. And, and he's, Coming on, really, just the the best pitching, really, of his career here. I mean, he had a great year last year with the Twins. Um, traded from the Reds, and he he was fantastic as well. Just, just a just a, a great season for him as well. He was uh, an All Star last season. Pitched out of his mind. You you need a pitcher like Sonny Gray if you're the St. Louis Cardinals. Granted, they're signing a lot of older guys for the rotation, but Mm -hmm. he's a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Also signing the deal, uh, Jason Hayward returned to the Dodgers uh, one year, $9 million. And then also signing another one-year deal. This is uh, uh, right-handed pitcher Luis Severino uh, remaining in New York, but playing with the Mets on a one-year $13 million contract. Yeah, that is 
something there. I mean, when you think about uh, what the Mets have done recently, I mean, they they need a signing like this. Um, Luis Severino coming in there. Um, obviously, we know his history kind of coming cross town uh, from the Yankees, ending up in a Mets uniform here. I think for them, uh, you, you really just want to see that improvement from him, ultimately, because uh, 6.65 ERA last season, four wins, eight losses. I mean, just not the quite not the type of outing that you want to see out of him by any means um, in a Mets uniform here moving on. But a lot of potential still to this point for him in his career. Hopefully he's able to produce for them. Jason Hayward, I thought, was an interesting signing. I know that he he, he played well last year. Um, but I don't know, Brevin. I'm just like, that's the guy you want every day in your outfield? I mean, $9 million, it's not a crazy amount. But, I mean, it's more than some guys, some starting guys in the, in the league are getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the Dodgers just liked what Jason Hayward brought to this team. It's not just yeah. the play on the field, but the leadership in the clubhouse as well. Um, that goes into it being a veteran piece to that team behind Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Um, you know, and especially now was this Dodgers team probably now sets its sights on its pitching depth, not knowing what they're going to get, especially out of guys like Walker Bueller returning from Tommy John surgery. You think about um, some of the young pieces that they're going to have and Ryan Pepio and Emmett Sheehan as well. Um, so that'd be the key thing for the Dodgers. Definitely. All right. One more move to get to is uh, Nick Martinez signing a two-year $26 million with the Reds uh, late last night. And that includes an opt-out after next season. Yeah, this is a pretty interesting deal here, Brevin, because I definitely didn't see Martinez signing with the Reds at all. I feel like we don't we don't see most guys signing with the Reds until it happens, right? Yeah. So, I think this is big for them. We all know who Nick Martinez is and the influence that he had in San Diego. I mean, he, over time, I mean, just really seemed like he improved, especially these past two seasons. Really made a name for himself, and we weren't sure where he was going to end up next. Um, three point four three ERA last season. Two years ago, he had 3.47. Um, we, we've seen him do it as a part of the rotation. We've seen him do it uh, more so out of the bullpen. And I, I, th- I think it's been huge for him to have a season like he did in 2023. 106 strikeouts on the year. That was massive. Um, just sure. proving that he, he still got stuff. And um, didn't he start his career down in, in Japan? Uh, no, he was with the Rangers first and then went to Japan. Okay. To to see him work his way back is really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I mean, even if he started there, that, that would have been great too. But um, just goes to show how much he's worked and, get, and gotten to this point. And now earning a sizable deal with the Reds, that's big, especially knowing the belief that they had in themselves last season when they were showing that fight late on in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this also comes after the uh, Reds signed another former Padre in Emilio Pagan earlier this week to add to their pen behind Alexis Diaz. Um, But for Nick Martinez, I think this signing shows that the Reds want him as a starter, which is something that um, 
the Padres have kind of gone back and forth with McNick Martinez, but I think that's what this signing means a lot more is he wants to be in that rotation. Definitely. All right, we're going to move on to trivia here. Kyle is our contestant this week. And one of the trends I've been seeing is doing blind rankings here. And where you're going to get five teams, but you don't know which order they're going to come in. So, Kyle, I'm going to give you five teams. They're going to be completely random. Um, And you're going to rank them uh, one to five. Okay? Okay. All right. Um, Number one, or the first team I'm going to give you, Kyle, is Seattle. Okay. Where do you put Seattle among your your five teams? Among this best of five. Seattle Seahawks. What record, what record do they even have right now? Six and six. <laughs> I like how they're playing. Uh, six and five, okay. Yeah, six and five. Mm-hmm. Six and five, I see. Um, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> With that being said, I guess current form and, and how they're doing, I guess I'll put them number four. Number four, okay. That can, I... I should probably be putting them at number three because they are above 500, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. All right, here we go. Next team that we've got for you, Kyle. This might be an easy selection, but we got the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I'll, I'll put them at number one. Yeah. Easy selection, like you said. I mean, uh-huh. uh, best record in football. Uh yeah, I I picked against them in in my uh, predictions, but you know what? For 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 this purpose, I will put them number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, next team that we've got, Kyle, we got Miami. Uh, okay, I like how this is going. Miami, Miami, Miami. They're such an interesting team because I could put them maybe at three depending on who I would get, but I'm going to put them at two just because they are eight and three. They haven't played the toughest competition uh, to this point, but to attack Vailoa looked great last week. I think he had, what, top three quarterback fantasy numbers. I mean, Jalen Waddle went crazy. Tyreek went went off. I mean, when that offense is is cooking, they're they're not going to be stopped. And so they'll just put up yards on you. I'll put them number two. All right, next team, Kyle. We talked about Philly, longest winning streak in the NFC. Next team, longest winning streak in the AFC, Denver. All right, I, I like, I like how I like how I did this because I was thinking to myself, if I get a team like Denver or Houston, then I would probably put them at number three, and that's what I'll do here. Right, that is so, a good selection there. So yeah, that's good. Final team that you got in the number five selection, Kyle. <laughs> Watch me, the Chiefs. <laughs> Same division, but it's not the Chiefs. The Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, it worked out perfectly. Yes, it did. All right. Oh, <laughs> I had the Seahawks come up like two different times too. <laughs> of like, no, we already did that too. Yeah. All right. So that is trivia here. 
Nice. Next team would have been the Chiefs. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I have the right idea. <laughs> so Kyle gets gets Seattle first, puts them in the number four selection. Then goes uh, Philly, Miami, Denver, and then and uh, Las Vegas to round things out. So that is Kyle's blind NFL rankings here. Guessed pretty well here based on where we're at in uh, the standings. Yeah, I think putting Seattle at number four was my biggest risk for sure. Yes. I mean, obviously that was the first team, but like middle of the pack. Same mm-hmm. as the Broncos. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the training Broncos over Seattle right now. Um that that was fun. I like that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's gonna do it for this week here. Um on down the line, quick trivia here, testing Kyle NFL knowledge among his top teams, or really the top teams in the NFL from all thirty two teams. We talk some baseball. We'll get into our Hall of Fame ballot in um a few weeks. Uh I think next week we're gonna get all MLB awards announcement. Um so we'll go over that as well. Um yeah, we'll probably talk about NBA in the uh in season tournament. Um we're gonna talk about let's see, depending on when we record next week. We might be just previewing the finals and going over the semis, uh, probably, most likely, mm-hmm. um, depending on it. So, yeah, those will be a couple of things to look out for next week on top of the NFL, how Kyle and I's trades uh, panned out um, with James Conner and Sam Howell going to Kyle's team for James Cook. So we'll see how all that goes and if I can uh, be in a better position for the playoffs after week 13 so that's going to do it for down the line for Kyle Betts we thank you for tuning in this week and to another episode of down the line